You're listening to WCAT Radio, your home for authentic Catholic programming. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Cynthia Tulin Wilson, and I'm on my show, Author to Author, with Dennis McKeon, who has written a very interesting book called The Diaries of Joseph and Mary. How are you tonight, Dennis? I'm doing good, Cynthia. Thanks for uh, having me on your show. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, before we start, would you like to open us with prayer? I'd really like that. And since the book highlights St. Joseph, I'd like to start with the prayer to St. Joseph. Okay. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Joseph, son of David, spouse of Mary. Blessed are you among the patriarchs, and blessed is your holy family. Holy Joseph, guardian of Jesus, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, so this is uh, a unique title. I'm wondering what led you to write the book. Okay, well, I'm going to be 67 years old this year. I wrote the book uh, in 2012. But actually, what was the very beginning of this book started when I was five years old. Mm -hmm. Um, Back then, they called them broken families. Uh, (laughs) I had a father who was a very violent alcoholic. And my childhood with him, it was a nightmare, put it plainly. Smashed furniture, holes in walls, even blood on the floor, not good. Mm-hmm. One time there was a fight that was really, it was one of the worst ones I could remember. And my mom and dad didn't never slept in the same room that I ever remember. They both had separate bedrooms. Mm-hmm. Well, I ran out of the, our living room down the hallway into my mom's bedroom during this bad fight. And she was Episcopalian, uh-huh. but she had a picture of Mary on the wall, uh-huh. and she said the rosary from uh-huh. time to time. And I knelt down in front of that picture of Mary, and I, I was crying, and I just begged Mary to please stop the fight. Uh-huh. Please stop this fight. Uh-huh. Every time I talk about this, I get the same feeling. Uh-huh. I felt like somebody draped a mantle across my shoulders and my back. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It felt warm. It felt safe. safe. Uh-huh. And I promised myself right then and there that if I ever got married, if I had kids, they would not put up with what I was going with, that I would mm-hmm. be the best husband and best father I could possibly be. Mm-hmm. So now let's fast forward. Start to grow up, go through my teenage years, typical teenager. Mm-hmm. Not a candidate for sainthood. <laughs> <laughs> um, meet a girl in college. We date for a few years break up we get back together again uh-huh. we get married uh-huh and my wife suzanne who's a doctor of chiropractic uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. One day we're in town, Altoona. Just, we walk into this Catholic bookstore slash gift shop. Uh-huh. And I've been married to her for about a year, year and a half. And I, I realized to myself before I walked into this bookstore, it's like, what does it mean to be the best husband and father you could be? Because uh-huh. I honestly didn't have a clue. Uh-huh. I, I told myself, well, I'll just remember what my father did and I'll do everything opposite. That should be a good start. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but I really, I had no, I had no role model. Uh-huh. I grew up with, with no role model, a positive role model. Uh-huh. But my mom had sent me to Catholic school. And I had learned about Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Uh-huh. And in my small understanding that I had, the best role model for a man would be St. Joseph. Uh-huh. So I'm in this bookstore, and I'm looking for books on St. Joseph. Uh-huh. And I find one. And it's a book about two inches thick, one inch and a half, uh-huh. two inches thick. And it was written in 1882. Uh-huh. And it's in the language of the academics of 1882. <laughs> and I said to myself, yeah, I'll take this home and I'll read this. Uh-huh. I started reading that book. Oh, the book is called The Life and Glories of St. Joseph. Uh-huh. It's by Edward Healy Thompson. Uh-huh. I started reading that book. I couldn't get past page 50. Uh-huh. And there's like three or 400 pages in the book. Right. Uh-huh. It just went right over my head. I had no idea what I was reading. Uh-huh. Um, I tried three or four times to get back into it every time. Uh-huh. I, was lo- I was lost. Uh-huh. So one of the things I have done with my life is I've studied judo. And uh-huh. I taught, and I've taught judo. And at the time, I had a small judo class in the basement of our church, uh-huh. and so I could get in and out of the church. Father gave me the key to the church, uh-huh. and also at that time, my wife and I were watching EWTN, and they were having a lot of guests on, one after the other, talking about Eucharistic adoration, uh-huh. and. It occurred to me, I got the key I'm here at the church. Maybe Father will let me keep the church open after judo class for an hour or so. And uh-huh. people could come and just make a visit. Because uh-huh. um, our church was locked up unless there's somebody there because of security reasons. Sure. Uh-huh. So I approached Father, and he liked the idea. Uh-huh. And we started having a holy hour is what we called Uh it and the first night i got there after class i was actually really happy to see like four or five other people showed up the father had put it in the church bulletin and i genuflect slided to one of the pews bless myself our father hail mary Uh now what do i do Man, I got to get to that dripping sink in the bathroom when I get home. Uh-huh. Everything, everything on my to-do list is smacked. Uh-huh. 
and try to pray, I was really struggling because uh-huh. it was total silence. Uh-huh. We, only, we only turned on a, a, the lights above the altar in the tabernacle. The rest of the church was in shadow. It was really pretty, uh-huh. but I was having trouble concentrating uh-huh. on prayer, spiritual things. And then I remembered that these guests on EWTN said, bring some good books, some God-centered books uh-huh. to help focus your thoughts during the holy hour. Uh-huh. So I grabbed my St. Joseph book uh-huh. and I took it the holy hour and I sat there in front of the tabernacle and something happened. Uh-huh. I started to understand and- what I was reading. Uh-huh. Now, I, ne- I never read more than five pages in an hour uh-huh. or in holy hour. Some days I didn't read a full page, uh-huh. but it became, I began to understand St. Joseph uh-huh. and things I had never learned about St. Joseph. I'm a cradle Catholic, eight uh-huh. years elementary Catholic school. Uh-huh. This book written by Mr. Thompson, Dr. Dr. Thompson, uh-huh. uh, he based his book on the writings of two 15th century Spanish theologians who are very well thought of in the Catholic Church. And they based their writings on a bunch of guys by the name of Ambrose, oh. Bet, uh, Athanasius, <laughs> Augustine. Oh boy! You know, you might you might have heard some some of these guys names. Exactly. <laughs> the church fathers, mm. and apparently, they gave actual sermons on Saint mm-hmm. Joseph, mm-hmm. and not just sermons on the spiritual nature of Saint Joseph, but more to the point. They gave sermons on who the human being, uh-huh. St. Joseph, is. And that was exactly what I needed. Because uh-huh. my goal was to be the best husband and father I could be. Uh-huh. Yeah, I want to be a saint. But first, I got to get through this. I got a wife and I got kids to take care of. Uh-huh. How do I do this? Uh-huh. And they talked about things that I never heard anybody talk about before. Uh-huh. Uh, it took me a year and a half to get through this book. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying I'm the best husband and father I could be now. That's still a work in progress. And I've read that book about two or three times in, in total. And I've read parts of that book probably a dozen times here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that was happening at the time was I was trying to become an author was trying my hand at writing uh-huh. magazine articles things like that uh-huh. and I got published in the word among us and I got uh-huh. published in some other other magazines and then I got a job working with a company where me and the other authors that were working for them, we were supposed to write very short emails mm-hmm. or a tweet. I forget, 
I don't, I'm not quite sure how they were delivering them to the students, actually. Uh-huh. Um, pretending that we were St. Patrick or we were, you know, whoever, St. Uh-huh. Michael the Archangel or whatever. Sure. And it was geared towards high school age kids. Uh-huh. If the idea being they would get one tweet a day for five days during the week uh-huh. as this person, as this saint, uh-huh. to help them in their spiritual growth. Sure. So I was doing that. And then the company had a reorganization. Uh-huh. And like what happens in a lot of reorganizations, some people got let go. Uh-huh. And I was one of the ones that got let go. Uh-huh. So I was like, okay, what do I do next? Uh-huh. And then it occurred to me, instead of these short emails, short tweets or whatever, what if St. Joseph and Mary had kept a diary uh-huh. while they were going through everything that they went through? Sure. And I took my book, The Life in that book, The Life and Glories of St. Joseph. Uh-huh. And I just went from the very beginning. Joseph as a child with his father, Jacob. Mary as a child um, with St. Anne uh-huh. and um, Joachim. Uh-huh. And I just started making entries as if they were uh-huh. making entries in a diary. Right, and it just went through the entire, the entire story. Uh-huh. Every nothing, everything that's in scripture about Joseph and Mary is in my book. That's great. Nothing that the church teaches about Joseph and Mary is changed. Uh-huh. I, I made sure my book stayed true to the Catholic, yeah, under, understanding. But those areas where the Bible is silent, but where the church fathers, Augustine, uh-huh. Ambrose, etc., uh, gave their opinions, uh-huh. helped me fill in the blanks where scripture is silent. Uh-huh. Like Mary's visit to Elizabeth. Right. Where was Joseph? Uh-huh. Now, this is the man selected by God Almighty to be the protector and guardian of Mary and his son. And at the time she's visiting Elizabeth, Joseph and Mary are betrothed, mm-hmm. which in reality is marriage. Yeah, except they're not, except they're, not, they're not living together. Mm-hmm. That's the only difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this man who is so wonderful, he's going to let his wife go on a eight, nine-day journey down banded-infested roads huh? all by herself? Nah. Uh, uh, nah, nah. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't no. allow it. No. And I can't see St. Joseph allowing it. And it, right. it's the opinion of, of some of the church fathers that Joseph went with Mary when she visited Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And so that's in my book. Mm-hmm. Um, they're fleeing from Herod to Egypt. Uh-huh. Uh, it says in the Bible, Joseph, wake up, take your wife, flee to Egypt. 
and it says, Herod has died. You can return to Egypt. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And there's like, nada. What happened yeah. on the from Jer- Nazareth to Egypt is like, like five, six hundred miles. Or it, yeah. it's, an incre- it's an incredible distance on foot. Yeah. Uh, it's going to take a while. Yeah. While the uh, Herod, who was a murdering, insane maniac, uh-huh. is doing everything in his power to find and kill Jesus. Uh-huh. How did they manage to pull this one off? Yeah. Well, the church fathers, small t tradition says, well, even says in the Bible, they, they left during the night. Well, they continued their journey during the night and they slept during the day trying to stay concealed. Uh-huh. Um, there's a story, a tradition where Joseph and Mary are going through this region where there's a good bit of brush undergrowth, small trees, bushes, etc. Um, and then they break out of the bush into an opening. And there in the opening, there's a band of bandits. Oh, boy. And Joseph thinks they're dead. <laughs> uh, he stand, he, he's got his staff, gets, puts himself between Mary and the bandits. The group of bandits approach him. They don't, they look like they're going to do bad things. And then the leader makes his way to the front of the group and looks at Joseph, looks at Mary, and Mary is holding Jesus in her arms. Uh And the bandit sees Jesus and his heart melts. Uh And he tells his guys there, no one will harm these people. Uh They are our guests. Uh The tradition goes, they stay with the bandits for a night, Uh that, that night, and the next day, and then the following night, they set out on their journey again to Egypt, and the bandits even showed them uh, a way that would cut their journey short a little bit. Uh-huh. Now, the really interesting part about the story uh-huh. is who the leader of the bandits is. Uh-huh. His name is Dismas, oh. the good thief on the cross. Yeah. Oh, boy. Now, I never heard this story growing up. I never and, heard it either. And it's like, oh, wow. Uh-huh. Wow. So now they're journeying to Egypt. Egypt's a pretty big country. Uh-huh. You're fleeing to Egypt. How do you figure out where you're going to stay? Uh-huh. I mean, really, from a practical standpoint, people, when they have to move to a new city because of work, one of the hardest things for them to find is a good home to live in. Yeah. Good pl- I mean, it, it, that's what, that's without somebody trying to kill you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how do Joseph and Mary figure out where in Egypt they're going to live? Well, another story told by the church fathers goes, they're walking through Egypt and they're approaching the city of Heliopolis which was a major 
worship center for the Egyptians and their gods. Mm-hmm. Statues and stella to all the different Egyptian gods all over the place. Mm-hmm. Well, as they're passing to the outskirts of the t- city there, the ground starts to shake. And it shakes so hard that all of the Egyptian statues fall to the ground face down. Wow. All the stella fall face down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The local high priest, um, his name eludes me right now. Um, he's upset. Mm-hmm. So he, he goes searching for what's causing this. He's, he's, he's thinking that something supernatural causing the problems. Mm-hmm. He takes some of the other priests with him and they go searching for the answer. Mm-hmm. And they find Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. And J- Joseph figures, we're toast. We're going to get killed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the same thing happens as what happened with Dismas. The high priest looks at Jesus in Mary's arms and his heart melts. Mm-hmm. And he kneels to the ground and puts his head down on the ground. And he tells Joseph, if the gods of Egypt must bow to this child, then so must we. Mm-hmm. So then Joseph and Mary understood that they were to find a place to live right around there. Mm-hmm. The high priest actually offers Joseph his house to live in, but Joseph turns that down. He finds a place where he can live that actually is big enough that he can have his house and it has a place for his workshop. Sure. He's got he's to make a living. Right. Um, so that story fills in the blanks. Mm-hmm. And in my book, The Diaries, You'll get a page of what jo- from Joseph's point of view, and then Mary's point of view, mm-hmm. um, and it goes from like I said when Joseph was a child and Mary was a child. And it covers when Mary lived in the temple. She mm-hmm. was She went at three, age three to live in the temple of Jerusalem, and the church to this day celebrates the presentation of Mary in the temple. It's mm-hmm. not a it's no longer a major feast, but it's on the calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, up to Joseph's death. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> then, after the diaries, or just after, after the last page of the diary section, there's an appendix in the book. 101 questions and answers about St. Joseph. Mm-hmm. It goes into all kinds of details, covers all kinds of information about St. Joseph, um, talks about the belief of the church fathers. Mary was conceived immaculately, never mm-hmm. subject to original sin. Right. Churches, the church has said that Moses and Elijah were freed from original sin mm-hmm. uh, after their birth mm-hmm. so they could do what they had to do. Mm-hmm. 
the church fathers talking about Joseph have postulated there, and this is just their theory. This is not dogma or anything like that. Uh-huh. But they said that immediately after Joseph's conception, he was freed from original sin. Uh-huh. Because he had the Nobody else has the job description that Joseph has. <laughs> I like that. That's true, though. <laughs> What's your job description? Uh, be the guardian of the mother of God and be the father, earthly father, of the son of God. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the book, The Life and Glories, makes it a point. Joseph gets a bad rap when, in my opinion, when people say, oh, he was the foster father of Jesus. Nothing wrong with foster parents at all. It's a great thing. But it kind of the really good foster fathers, Uh if you ask the kids, they'll say, that's my dad. Yes. That's Uh my dad. Yeah. Joseph was the dad. Yeah. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Joseph taught the Son of God how to pray. Mm-hmm. Think about that. For a yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he taught him how to be a carpenter. Actually, Joseph was a tecton. Mm-hmm. He worked in wood, but he also worked in stone and metal. Oh, I didn't know and that. He, and he taught Jesus the trade. Mm-hmm. But he was the one responsible for teaching Jesus about the Jewish faith. Uh huh. Teaching the Son of God about the faith that God gave the I mean, <laughs> yeah. When, when you really start to think about this, it, 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 if it doesn't blow your mind, nothing uh-huh. should. Uh, right, right. Um, the perpetual virginity, uh, the church fathers, uh, the tradition is that when Mary was living in the temple, she was so in love with God that she made a promise to herself uh-huh. that she would never marry, so that she would be totally available uh-huh. to serve God. Uh-huh. Joseph was on fire to do the God's will so much that he made a promise, a private vow to himself uh-huh. that he was going to stay single so he could do whatever God wanted him to do. Uh-huh. Mary is in the temple. Her father dies. Now she needs a husband to protect her. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And her, her mother, Anne, needs a guardian. Uh-huh. Because at, at the time, women couldn't own property. They were, yeah. they were out of luck. So now, you, in my diary, it's a well-known story fairly well-known story how the temple priests summon men to the temple and they gather their staffs and they're trying to select a suitable husband for Mary. And Joseph is summoned with all these other other guys. Uh And he leaves his staff there. And the next morning, his staff, lilies have sprouted out Uh his staff. Uh-huh. And that's how the priest understood that Joseph was to be the husband of Mary. Right. Now, 
Mary took a vow of virginity. God's not going to interfere with her free will. God asked Mary, will you accept Joseph as your husband? And, oh, by the way, Joseph has taken a vow of virginity himself. Uh-huh. <laughs> God lets Mary know that. Uh-huh. Uh, so Mary consents to Mary and Joseph. They become true husband and wife, and yet they're able to keep their first vow to God, uh-huh. which is to be totally available for whatever he wants them to do. Uh-huh. Uh, and I never heard it explained that way in all my time in church or anything like that. Right. But these are things that uh, the early church fathers talked about. Uh-huh. Uh, they spent a lot of time. They spent a lot of time meditating on Joseph. Uh-huh. Uh, it may not seem that way because they were most of what the prob- most of the declarations that came out concerned Mary. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Because they wanted to make sure her virginity was protected and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why you'll see depictions of Joseph as a man, 80, 90 Controller. years old, yeah. Yeah. ready to croak. Kill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Any second. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, the early church father says, nah, nah, he was, a, he was in his prime. Yeah. Mary was... 12, 14 years old when she married Joseph. And the best estimates of some of the church fathers were Joseph was about 25 to 30 years old. Uh-huh. And when you think about it, um, a 75, 85 year old man is not going to walk 600 miles no. to no. Egypt. <laughs> no. Not, take, take it from the guys out that are currently 60. 75 and 80 years old. Could you walk that distance? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't be a one or two possible. Yeah, maybe. Probably the not. Rest of, us, the rest of us are good. Now, nah, we're not, not now. No. Should have caught me 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's my book. Uh, mm-hmm. It's using the, the teachings of the early church fathers. Mm-hmm. I fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, that scripture was silent on to give a full fuller picture of the nativity story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with the questions and answers going in even deeper as to you know what kind of man did St. Joseph have to be to do his job mm-hmm. and that's all geared towards trying to show him what kind of a role model he can be mm-hmm. for me and for any mm-hmm. man trying to be the best husband and father, they could be mm-hmm. out there. And we certainly need good role models for us guys right now mm-hmm. in this world. Um, you know, it's interesting because I have uh, de- I have great devotion to Joseph. Um, I was on a pilgrimage to Brother Andre's place in um, Quebec. Oratory, yeah. Is it Quebec? I, I don't know if it's Quebec or Montreal. I can't remember. Montreal. But anyway, Montreal. Okay. Yeah, so I went there and, um, you know, with the parish. And uh, this was 35, 40 years ago. And um, I walked in, and I am not charismatic, but I walked in and I started to cry. And I was like, what's wrong with me? 
you know. So I started to cry. We went through the whole place. We were there probably six hours, and I cried the whole time. And when I walked out the door, returned to the bus, I stopped. And um, I, you know, I, I received the gift of tears for a long time, six, six, almost six hours. And um, so I was in the process of converting. And uh, when I converted, I took a Joseph and Andre's name as my, you know, as my uh, Christian name. But boy, I'll tell you, you know, I was I was so impressed, you know, when you start studying about St. Joseph. I mean, it's, you know, just an incredible man. You know, incredible. And actually, he's mostly neglected. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, the Pope last year declared a year of St. Joseph, which Mm -hmm. is wonderful. Mm -hmm. Uh, Father Callahan has his book out. Uh, consecration to St. Joseph. It's a wonderful book. Mm-hmm. I bought it almost as soon as it was available. Mm-hmm. And I was really happy as I was reading his book that he covers a lot of what I cover. Mm-hmm. Now, his book is written more like textbook style. Sure. Whereas my book is written more story style. Yeah. Co- cover the same material. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was. That was a relief for me. In fact, before I, I published my book, I'm a member of the Knights of Columbus. Mm-hmm. I, wrote, I wrote the book. I got a couple of copies. Mm-hmm. And I took a copy to one of our meetings. And I approached our council chaplain. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, would he do me a favor? Would you read my book? And would you please tell me if there's anything in here that's going to get me excommunicated? Oh. <laughs> Don't want to get in trouble. You have a wicked sense of humor. <laughs> so that was that was right around the beginning of December of mm-hmm. that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he got busy Christmas. He got busy after Christmas. Mm-hmm. Easter season rolled around, and he had this lame excuse. He was busy during Easter. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, after the Easter season. Father Tony comes walking into the council meeting. I hadn't seen him for four or five months. Mm-hmm. And I noticed in his hand, he's got a book. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there at my table. I was the, uh, oh, I can never remember. I was the guy that led the council in prayer in mm-hmm. the rosary. Mm-hmm. I never remember that. Chancellor. I was a chancellor. Mm-hmm. Um, and he walks over and he hands me the book back. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what did you think about it? He said, it's good. I said, is there anything in there that's contrary to the faith? He said, no. And he said, my specialty is systematic theology and such. Mm-hmm. So I would have somebody go over this book with that specialty now, you know, he couldn't do anything more than give me his own personal opinion. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what he was doing. Right. But I trusted his opinion. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I published the book, Good. made it available to the public, and Good. been trying to get on shows like this, trying to get the mm-hmm. word out. Yeah. Because 
I think there's a place for my book uh, for people who enjoy a story. Jesus, mm-hmm. Jesus taught using stories, using yes, parables. Yes. Uh, so you can learn a lot about St. Joseph from my book. Mm-hmm. And then the question and answer portion of it is, is straightforward. Okay. And you can take it in very, very small bits. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had some people say some very good things about it. I had some, I've had some people tell me that they, in fact, Father Tony even told me this, that he planned to use my book as part of his uh, private prayer time meditation during the Advent Christmas season. Mm-hmm. Some, of, some of the chapters because it would help help place him help him better be in the situation mm-hmm. at the time of the Annunciation or all that mm-hmm. at uh, the visit to Elizabeth and such. Right, um, and that's one of the things that the church recommends is try to imagine yourself being there. Yeah, at at, at the event, mm-hmm. and basically that's what my book does. Mm-hmm. That's important. Um, you know, every kind of writing has a place, and certainly textbooks do have a place, clearly, um, because the people that are eventually going to teach need to <coughs> master the material. But there's a difference between that and taking what the textbook is saying and breathing life into it. You know, that's a world of difference. And for the, you know, for most people, probably 99% of the people, they don't want to read a textbook. Especially, I mean, I'm amazed that you would go through, you know, that big textbook that you bought. And, you know, that took effort. The a life lot of people, yeah, a lot of people, they look and they say, oh, this would be a great book. They get through page two, they put it away, they never look at it again. You know, so, um, so that's where the pedal hits the metal, I guess the saying is, because you have the capacity to breathe life into that story. So well, the story's there, but, you know, you can depict it in a way that people can picture it in their mind. Yeah. I, That's great. I, I got to say, a lot of times I'd be in front of the tabernacle during the holy mm-hmm. hour reading stuff. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I'm working on my book and I'm mm-hmm. doing my research mm-hmm. simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And the words that I was going to put on the page when I got home in front of my computer, mm-hmm. they just started, they just hit my head, in yeah, my mind. Yeah, yeah. And so I go home and try to get it written as fast as I can before I forget them because I'm mm-hmm. really good at forgetting things. Mm-hmm. And, real. And, and, to this, and to this day, and I say this with as much humility as I can, there are sections of that book that I read that gives me chills. Mm-hmm. And I think to myself, I am not capable of doing this writing. This is, mm-hmm. where did this, where did this come from? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's at least that's the, the impact it's had on me. And I just think, you know, mm-hmm. God, God has helped okay. me. Yeah. God and, and there were times as I was working on the book, I said, I said a prayer to Jesus. I said, talk to Joseph, and I talked to Mary. It's like, look, if mm-hmm. you don't want me to do this, hit me in the head with a two-by-four. Oh. Uh, and I'll stop doing it. 
Well, mm-hmm. I never got hit with a two by four. Mm-hmm. I never got a huge green light go signal right. for it, but I did get small hints mm-hmm. that, yes, this is something you should do. It's just something. Yeah. So I've, I've worked on it, and since mm-hmm. I've published it, and it's self-published, mm-hmm. uh, I've been trying to tell people about it. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think there's other guys out there like me, who really mm-hmm. could use a role model, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. like St. Joseph. Mm-hmm. I agree. Actually, there's quite a few of them. And the culture we live in, I think that a lot of people want to be good husbands or good wives, but they really don't know how to be. You know, they haven't been taught by their parents. I mean, the generation that, that grew up before us, or, you know, when you look at, at uh you know, the people in their 20s now, it's, you know, they don't know how. Eight out of 10 kids do not live with their biological parents. Mm-hmm. I mean, the family's been destroyed. Yeah. And I'm blessed. I have a wonderful wife and we're together. We'll be married 39 years mm-hmm. this year, this December. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's not like we, it has been all smooth sailing. Oh no! We, we, we've, we, yeah, we've had we've had some really rough challenges. Everybody does, but, um, but we've been able to stay together. Mm-hmm. In fact, the challenges. I heard this somewhere. I don't know where I picked this up, but mm-hmm. pressures that confront you, pressure mm-hmm. can do one of two things: it can split you apart. Or it, can make or, us- or it can push you together. Yeah. And we've mm-hmm. always tried to, when the pressure's got in bed, to use that as a way to just hold on to each other closer. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. good. Well, I'm very uh, impressed with the book. And I think that um, I hope that a lot of people watch this interview and I hope that they um, read it and I hope it changes their lives. I think uh, if people are open to changing, you know, that will happen. That would be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So um, is there anything else that you want to summarize before we close in prayer? Uh, if people are interested in the book, mm-hmm. they could order it from their favorite bookstore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it probably won't, probably won't be on the shelves at Catholic bookstore, but you think, they could order it for you. Mm-hmm. You can buy it on Amazon. It's available in paperback or an ebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you could o- also order it through the bigger bookstores like Barnes and Nobles or whoever. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it, it's available out there. Good. That's great. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Would you like to close us in prayer? Sure. Since the book, the book's about Joseph. Mm-hmm. But Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, the Holy Family, they're, mm-hmm. they're together for eternity. Mm-hmm. So let's just say I hail Mary okay. to close it out. Mm-hmm. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us pray sinners. For us sinners. 
now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. Well, thank you very much for the interview. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I hope you did too. Hello, God's beloved. I'm Annabelle Mosley, author, professor of theology, and host of Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. I invite you to listen in and find inspiration along this sacred journey we're traveling together to make our lives a masterpiece and, with God's grace, become saints. Join me, Annabelle Mosley, for Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. God bless you. Remember, you're never alone. God is always with you. Thank you for listening to a production of WCAT Radio. Please join us in our mission of evangelization. And don't forget, love lifts up where knowledge takes flight.